With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back. Second hour of this live broadcast here on Monday. We're off to a quick start this week. Uh, we have some great commentary, some great insightful comments and observations by Basil Valentiner and Strepic correspondent, also Sam Husseini in the first hour. We'll continue that analysis in the second hour. We'll be joined in a few minutes uh, in the next segment with Mark Crispin Miller. Uh, looking forward to this conversation, talking about all things relating to the 2024 election, but uh, the anomalies, the uh, accusations of interference. Where is the interference actually coming from? Is it uh, from foreign entities or is it done domestically? Well, I think we know the answer to that. We'll extrapolate on that and more uh, later in this hour. Uh, but I want to bring up on that issue of the the election. And I sort of touched on this uh, in the opening segment. I think it's worth developing a little bit. The amount of money that is being poured into super PACs uh, in the United States is just insane. And you can create these whole sort of virtual mirages of movements. The Ron DeSantis campaign is a perfect example. More than $200 million was torched and burned through in, I don't know, the last seven or eight months uh, to create this impression that Ron DeSantis was going to be the, you know, GOP nominee or the, 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 the heir apparent to Donald Trump or something like this. The polling numbers were abysmal. Clearly, this was a candidate that just couldn't perform, not even on a moderate level. He didn't even do as well as John Kasich, if you can imagine or Marco Rubio, but the amount of money they spent is just insane. So whether it's Michael Bloomberg uh, entering the race uh, in 2020 to disrupt the Sanders run uh, or the DeSantis uh, never back down super PAC, there's just no upper limit to the amount of money that the donor class can plow uh, into these vehicles post the Citizens United ruling. And I can't help but think this is just massively corrupting the uh, body politic uh, in America. But wherever you have these billionaires, you, and these, they see opportunities opportunities or a chance to derail somebody certainly they're going to be all in to derail the trump campaign it's got the doj against them all these other lawsuits the lawfare attacks those have all ramped up as well i don't think they're going to be successful then they'll be attacking the trump campaign uh they'll be attract attacking his advisors and they've weaponized this whole you know russian interference thing it's built into the system chinese interference Iranian interference, whatever, um, it's all coming, basically. Anything that challenges Joe Biden or calls for the impeachment of Biden, whether it's over the illegal war, uh, and it's all coming, basically. Anything that challenges Joe Biden or calls for the impeachment of Biden, whether it's over the illegal war uh, in Yemen or whether it's Biden corruption, uh, i.e. the con congressional investigations into the Biden family corruption schemes in Ukraine or China, all of these are going to be written off and uh, used by the big tech establishment, by the mainstream media, by the DOJ, 
uh, by the various organs of government in order to suppress uh, any dissenting, dissenting speech or any support for Donald Trump. Now, that's what happened already uh, in 2020. That's what happened before that uh, through 2018, 2022 in the midterms. We've seen these things. Now these are all baked into the institutions. So unfortunately, I'm going to say that this is all coming. The media will be in lockstep on this. They'll be looking for bogeymen. And that's what's going to happen. There's a lot of money behind this. And big tech censorship will unfortunately be ramped up. Now, whether that's ramped up on X Twitter is another question. We'll see. Hopefully not in terms of the elections. But for Facebook, it's a done deal. Zuckerberg is plowing uh, loads of funds behind the 2024 election to engineer a result that he wants and that his donor class in Silicon Valley want. This is what happened in 2020. It's undeniable. Uh, so these information ops, though, it's, it's interesting. Just I'm going to speak to the information ops. Do you realize what the U.S. government spend on information ops for foreign theaters like Ukraine? Not just internationally, but on the American people themselves. Um, they did huge information ops for Ukraine. And it didn't change facts on the ground. It didn't help the Ukrainians at all. In, in fact, this was a catastrophic failure for Ukraine, as well as for the International Foreign Legion Brigade recruiting effort led by uh, Reddit and NAFO. Uh, in all of these sort of institutions and firms. Big tech was behind this as well, glorifying the Nazi battalions, the Azov battalion. This this all happened post-February uh, 2022. Uh, and so it didn't change facts on the ground. So, just, so the money is spent, whether it's in the dirty war against Syria, whether it's in the uh, proxy war against Russia and Ukraine, whether it's the, uh, the the hundreds of millions spent by uh, NGOs, by the Israeli government, by their allies to change the narrative on Gaza to play down the genocide, it has completely failed. The, the, the forces uh, opposing that effort um, hugely outnumber that uh, propaganda campaign. So what does that tell you? Time and time again, we see the same trend that uh, buying candidates or buying narrative management, it doesn't change the facts on the ground. It doesn't work in the end. It's just a massive waste of money, but it's become much more than a cottage industry at this point. It's become a, uh, a feature of our political economy in the 21st century, even though it's proven that it doesn't work. It's one of these policies, one of these uh, enterprises that has failed time and time again, but yet there's people queuing up to plow money into it, whether it's private individuals, uh, institutions, NGOs, or governments, just queuing up to plow money and resources into it. And they can't change. Look at, look at the support Donald Trump has. Look at, look at the polling. The, look at the blowouts in Iowa, the blowout that's going to happen in New Hampshire and other primary states. Look at what they've done. They've, they've built this leviathan against Trump on the information front and all fronts, it hasn't changed the way voters feel. So, you know, we, we need to step back at some point and say, how long are we going to let these sort of malignant forces run our media, run our information space, our institutions, because they're clearly, they're wasting our time, they're wasting our money, their money, their time. And what happens? They don't get the result they want. 
they kick up, they double down, and we get worse uh, on on the back end of all this. And that's what's happened once again. And I, I, I said it once, I'll say it again, that a lot of the patterns that led up to uh, the anomaly that was the 2016 election are back in play again in 2024. And one of those is you'll see an anomaly. If you follow the really great pollsters, and I'm not talking about Nate Silver, uh, okay, I'm talking about people like Richard Barris at the People's Pundit, who are doing excellent scientific polling on this. And they coined the term the shy Trumper in 2016. People were uh, responding to polls and would not publicly admit, even to the pollster, confidentially, that they were going to vote for Trump. So that's one of the things that skewed the polling in the run-up to the 2016 election. This is now proven by the People's Pundit and other uh, analysts that have gone through these days and run these polls afterwards as well, exit polls and so forth, um, on all these different swing states. And that accounted for a large percentage of the anomaly uh, in the polling that seemed to be overwhelmingly pro-Hillary Clinton, and then you get a different result at the end. So that's called the shy Trumper effect. This has been written about. They presented data on this. We reported on it at the time because uh, it also came into play as well in 2020. So this is th these are all in play once again. That will go for the DeSantis supporters and so forth, the rhinos on the GOP side. It's going to show that there's going to be a distortion uh, in some of the things that you're seeing and reading right up through the general election. So these are the sort of issues that we're interested in. Uh, looking at the differential uh, situation with the numbers and looking at the anomalies. And this is what we've done in the past with our, our fair previous coverage, election edge, uh, and so forth. And uh, I think it's this is back in play again. And we're discussing this uh, also on Twitter spaces this morning with M. Gadston. It's a great open space on X Twitter. I encourage people to follow Gadston as well. Join his open spaces uh, when he does those East Coast time in the morning. Uh, it's probably almost going to be almost daily going into the primaries as things start to heat up as well. So anyway, let's take a break right now with the network TNT and let's connect a real uh, authority on the issue of election integrity and interference, Mark Crispin Miller, joining us on the other side. Looking forward to this conversation for sure. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We'll be right back after these messages. TNT's Mark Morano. This just in, we have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways, streets, and other public areas. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this appears to be the most effective way. We have a uh, we have a field shot, a correspondent on the scene. Let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute. I don't want to see protests shut down. But obviously, when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that, you need to be dealt with. I thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. 
thelightpaper.co.uk. Caution. You are about to, about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back. We're in the second hour of this live broadcast. I'm Patrick Henning, senior host. Thank you for rejoining us here on TNT Today's News Talk. And thank you very much to our community in the TNT chat room. We've got over 100 people in there. I think we hit the high water mark uh, recently of 140 uh, in the TNT live chat. It's great to see those numbers building. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, right now, let's go pivot now back to the United States. I want to talk about the 2024 elections with our next guest, Professor Mark Crispin Miller, who is also the author of two excellent books on this topic, uh, which are Fooled Again, How the Right Stole the 2004 Election and Loser Takes All, Election Fraud and the Subversion of Democracy between 2000 and 2008. Joining us right now, Mark Crispin Miller. Mark, thanks for joining us on today's oh, News Talk. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Mark, uh, things are kind of getting a little bit interesting now. We've got the Iowa caucuses behind us. New Hampshire's coming. Super Tuesday's coming. So I'm going to ask you what you're looking at right now in on this issue of election integrity, of election interference. Firstly, Mark, uh, your, your observation so far and how things are shaping up. And I want to ask you, Mark, it, it, some of the factors that we saw in play in 2020 are some of those factors still going to be a problem or an issue in this election cycle? Have they been resolved or not? Your thoughts on these these important election issues, Mark? Well, um, yeah, the, the the problems that plague the 2020 election are, are still problems. Uh, we could go further back, though, and note that, that the problems in 2020, with one exception, were pretty much the same as the problems that have been plaguing our elections for decades. We have the worst voting system in the developed world. Uh, that's the conclusion of researchers at Harvard and the University of Sydney who have been collaborating on a biannual assessment of, of voting systems worldwide. And the US has the worst, we have the very worst. And I think it's by design. The one factor that was uh, new and different uh, in 2020 and that made things worse yet was this promiscuous use of mail-in ballots, which was one of many ways in which the COVID crisis served to uh, essentially junk the Constitution. Uh, you know, it was too dangerous to vote. So uh, now um, the whole country adopted the system that was used in Oregon for a long time with with, with success, because I mean, I think that system was run with a fair amount of integrity. But, um, you know, the fact is that that um, there is no pressure to improve the voting system. And there there could have been um, we we've really lived through um, a sort of civic tragedy, which which I'll explain briefly. Back in 2000 and 2004, uh, there was a small but devoted uh, um, community of election integrity activists, um, you know, of whom I was one. We were alarmed to discover um, how easy it, it was to uh, program both electronic voting machines and more importantly, and, and more dangerously, 
electronic vote counting. So even if you don't live in a in a state or a precinct that has um, you know uh, that that has electronic voting machines, which which are the worst, the chances are uh, uh, excellent that you will have your paper ballot uh, scanned and counted, and I put counted in scare quotes by a computer, which interestingly enough is a practice that started in the election of 1964. Uh, and for those you know um, who don't immediately think of something important and sinister that happened around then, that was the first election after Kennedy's assassination in 63. And that assassination was, in essence, a deliberate reversal of the election of 1960. Uh, you know, a number of very powerful interests um, uh, wanted to undo the results in the 1960 election. Many things Kennedy was doing uh, alarmed them. So they took care of that in the streets of Dallas in a very spectacular way. A far less spectacular change took place in the next year's election. And that was the use for the first time of computers to count ballots. So it, go it goes all the way back to then. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that it followed hard upon that um, epoch-making assassination. So what we have now um, is um, it's a it's a disaster that could have been could conceivably have been averted if in the 2020 election my former allies in the election integrity movement uh, had been sufficiently uh, nonpartisan sufficiently non-tribal, sufficiently rational to see that now there was an opportunity uh, to enlarge the election integrity movement exponentially by respecting the concerns of Republicans who were charging uh, that there was evidence of theft in that election. I was one who felt that we should certainly, um, you know, include in a much bigger tent that constituency. And to that end, I, I, I wrote to the publishers of um, my book, Fooled Again, which was about the 2004 election, and I proposed a new edition with a new introduction uh, uh, going over some of the evidence of, of fraud in 2020, because there was copious evidence Anyone who says there's no evidence is is parroting a propaganda meme. There's a lot of evidence. And I thought that uh, that kind of um, nonpartisan outreach would be the best possible thing for American democracy. It would teach Republicans who like to think that only Democrats steal elections, uh, that their party too has stolen many elections, right? And it would also help to educate those uh, democratic activists, you know, who like to think that it's always and only Republicans, which for a while was the case, you know. The weaker party requires election theft or, or, or they'll never uh, be in power. For quite a while, the Republican party was the weaker party. It was too Christianist for many American voters. Uh, 
I'm satisfied that there is abundant evidence that Bush-Cheney were never either elected or reelected. It was necessary, therefore, to, uh, because of their unpopularity, it was necessary to make sure they got into power. And I think the reason why that was essential was because uh, 9-11 was in, in the works. Uh, let me say parenthetically, I, I hope I'm not rambling on it to too great length, that you know, for a long time, I used to think that um, the outcomes of our elections were determined by the party that's better at theft. I used to think it was a party matter and that the Republicans were the more skilled and the more cynical and they're, and also the weaker. And so they therefore, you know, engaged more often in election theft than the Democrats did because the Democrats didn't need to so much. But there was something about our activism about 20 years ago that was odd, which was that the Democrats had no use for us. I mean, here we were agitating for a range of really quite simple reforms in the voting system. The problem could be solved fairly easily. But the strange thing was the Democrats, who appeared to be the ones disadvantaged most by you know the corruption of the system, were you know either indifferent or sort of hostile. Like the liberal media, like the New York Times and all the rest of them, they regarded us as conspiracy theorists. That's very strange. For a while, I thought it was denial, psychological denial, that they couldn't face, you know, the horror of our cherished voting system being so corrupt. But I no longer think that's the case. I think that the outcome of our elections is decided at a much higher level. And I think that the decision is usually based on, on whatever psyop they have in the works and then they, you know, elect or select whichever candidate will will suit that psyop, right? Will 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 do the best job for it, wittingly or not. So just as Bush Cheney were installed and then kept in power full eight years, despite the will of the electorate, for the sake of the war on terror, which they were all set to uh, to manage. Um. I actually think that Trump, and, and this isn't just an opinion, there's solid evidence here too. Uh, Trump was not really elected in 2016. Uh, Trump, The Trump team's own polling told them that Hillary had won, which parenthetically is a thought that makes my blood run cold, although I have no use for Trump either. It doesn't matter what I want or what I think, it's the will of the electorate that matters and, and it appears to be the case that Trump was installed to his surprise. You may remember he went home early on election night and Anthony Scaramucci, that guy who was his spokesman for like 10 minutes, uh, told some of us that Team Trump didn't even have an acceptance speech written, see? So their own polling was so definitive, was so clear that Trump wasn't gonna be president. And I, I don't even think he wanted necessarily to be president so much. He went home early. Uh, and I believe now in retrospect that the whole purpose of his presidency was uh, to make the COVID crisis 
far more bitterly divisive than it could possibly have been if Hillary had been president. If there were a president who saw eye to eye with Dr. Fauci uh, and agreed with everything he said and always showed up masked on camera and so on, uh, only the liberal viewers out there uh, would be engaged, you see. Uh, there's a, a half of the country that was not going to be as compliant, uh, that was not going to be as trustful as the government. And uh, they had to have a kind of representative figure in the presidential spectacle. And that's why, you know, I believe this is a speculation, but I, you know, I'm fairly confident it's sound. I think they needed to have Trump there in order to demonize the non-compliant, uh, in order to um, make certain perfectly sensible alternatives seem crazy by having him promote them. You know, he mentioned hydroxychloroquine during the crisis. He eventually mentioned ivermectin. Uh, and, you know, when he would say these things, you'd see Dr. Fauci behind him and Dr. Fauci would clutch his head and, you know, close his eyes and look so distressed, you know. So countless liberals would see this and think, oh, Dr. Fauci knows his stuff. That Trump is so full of it. He's such a liar. He says such dangerous things, etc. So there was a sort of seeming clash, you know, between the, the voice of responsible public health, Dr. Fauci, and this sort of Yahoo uh, president who, you know, um, you know, would would uh, shoot from the hip and, you know, spout wild theories and so on. And um, yet, despite this kind of superficial disagreement, like Trump didn't wear a mask all the time, he still did what he was supposed to do. He still declared a state of emergency. He still uh, backed lockdown. Worst of all, he still, um, you know, launched Operation Warp Speed, which brought us the bioweapon called a vaccine. Uh, so he was the perfect choice. I, I don't believe he was really conscious of all this. You know, I don't think he was in on it. I think he's someone who's very easily manipulated because he's so narcissistic. So, you know, it's so ironic. I mean, everybody thinks Trump disastrously won in 2016. And that, uh, you know, the same everybody, that is liberals, the media, think that he definitely lost in 2020. As far as I can see, the forensic evidence tells us pretty clearly that the opposite is the case that Trump was not elected, he was installed. By 2020, Well, let's, uh, he, let's talk about, yeah. yeah. Let's talk no, about 2020, uh, Mark. Uh, so what happened, uh, the COVID was on the ballot, actually, in, in 2020. A lot of states that uh, you saw a real anti-lockdown movement uh, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, you saw surges of uh, support, um, and Trump made comments late later uh, during that campaign trail that he wasn't uh, going to, you know, return to lockdowns and so forth. As that became a an issue later, and so, but it wasn't necessarily reflected because when Nancy Pelosi, for instance, started saying in May, it's not safe to go vote in person. 
don't go vote in person. And then, as you said, Mark, the the mass mail-in ballots became the sort of feature of the 2020 election. Laws were passed um, in, uh, I think, Michigan two weeks uh, postmarked by election day could accept ballots two weeks after election day in Pennsylvania. It was three days that went to the Supreme court. Those were some of the game changers in those swing States were the late ballots. And so this opened up a huge, huge potential for abuse for ballot harvesting. So let me run down those issues, Mark, and tell me if these are still in play ballot harvesting. I know it's legal in some states, but it's also, it, it's hard to regulate. The other is drop boxes. Mark Zuckerberg, others plowed a lot of money into pioneering this uh, mass drop box systems in these states. Again, difficult to regulate. There's been uh, accusations of ballot stuffing and harvesting and so forth. Then there's this sort of late voting, accepting votes late, the extended counting period. In Arizona, Mark, we had a month after the 2022 midterms, a month, Arizona is not the biggest state in the union. Um, so big tech online suppression of content, purging of accounts, but especially suppression of news uh, during the election cycle, especially towards the end. Google searches. I think it's Dr. Robert Epstein who's done some right. great data analysis on this, basically saying it can swing up to 6 million votes. Google, by sending out reminders to Democrats, not to Republicans, could go the other way, as you said, depending on which way the establishment's heading on this. So, look, all of these are main points that have been identified from the 2020 election and the Hunter Biden laptop story as well. That's another one. Um, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of change in this. Are there? Is there any reform that you've seen, Mark, in this cycle for any of these problems? No, there has not been any reform. How could there be? Because this whole process has entailed uh, the demonization of so-called election deniers. This is a phrase we keep hearing, election deniers. It doesn't even make any sense because people aren't denying that an election took place, mm -hmm. right? But that has the propaganda purpose of evoking Holocaust denial. You see, and that plays into the propaganda uh, strategy of casting Trump and his followers as, as Nazis, basically. An important change took place in the language used and the tone used to discredit election integrity activists. An important change took place uh, in the second decade of the century. Now, back at the beginning of the century, when we were amassing all this evidence of, of theft in the 2000 and 2004 elections and, and a considerable number of congressional races as well. It's something we continue to do with Bernie Sanders, who was twice robbed of the Democratic Party nomination and yet has never said a word about it, right? The change is this. Back at the beginning of the century, uh, the main tactic used against those of us who were demanding some, you know, reform of the voting system was ridicule. It was it was derision. We were conspiracy theorists, which at that time was a, a kind of ridiculous thing to be. So we were we were laughed off. Some of your viewers probably know that the phrase conspiracy theory uh, had been weaponized by the CIA in 1967, specifically to um, 
discredit critics of the Warren report, okay? But we know this from the declassified memo, 1035-960, the CIA sent out to all its station chiefs worldwide. And again, the purpose of, of that propaganda drive was to get as many journalists and other propaganda assets as possible to make light of those claiming that the election had been stolen. Now, around 2014-15, uh, the take on conspiracy theory darkened, and it became less and less a, a, a you know um, a laughing matter, and more and more uh, a matter of grave concern as conspiracy theory came increasingly to be identified with extremism, with sedition, with terrorism, right? So that now, um, as we approach 2020, it had already been pretty well established that people questioning the results of elections uh, were, were attacking democracy, okay? Now, on the contrary, to be devoted to the cause of improving the voting system is actually to honor the premises of American electoral democracy. But because Trump had been so successfully Nazified since the 2016 campaign, uh, and Putin identified with him, not as a neo-Stalinist, but as another Hitler, right? Uh, so that it made a perfect sense, you know, in a kind of psychotic way, that now the Democrats, although there was evidence of theft in Trump's victory in 2016, the Democrats, I think led by Hillary Clinton, ignored that evidence. That was evidence of, you know, old school, all-American election theft, likely managed by the CIA. They ignored all that, as the Democrats all do, right, and focused on Russia. Now it was Russiagate. So you were pro-Putin, you were pro-Trump, if you uh, questioned the outcome of an election, just as you were pro-Trump, if you suggested to somebody in, in the elevator, as happened to me in 2020, you know, that they maybe not wear that mask. You know, this woman, another tenant in my building had a kind of respiratory problem, and I suggested the mask might be doing more harm than good, and she looked at me with narrow eyes and said, are you a Trump supporter? <laughs> you know, th th that's a sign of an extremely successful propaganda drive. But it's one that, that, as I say, demonized those who questioned election results. There was something un-American about this. There was something fascistic about this, right? Uh, so this all culminated, of course, in January 6th which you know, millions of Americans actually believe was an attempted coup, was an insurrection, you know, an insurrection by unarmed people, uh, an insurrection that did not involve any violence, an insurrection that did not entail taking over the media. I I'm thinking of real insurrections, you know, <laughs> like in Chile <clears throat> in 1973. That was an insurrection. January 6th with a charade uh, managed by the FBI, a kind of a false flag, uh, but it did have precisely the same effect, and here I'll probably piss some people off, 
that the Reichstag fire had in 1933, uh, supposedly set by the communists, which gave uh, Adolf Hitler the opportunity to get the Enabling Act passed so he could become Germany's dictator, right? The Reichstag fire, which all the evidence suggests strongly the Nazis set themselves, was followed immediately by a national sweep where they arrested hundreds and hundreds of um, communists, socialists, Jews, and others. Uh, and, and that's been going on here since uh, that insurrection. I just read a piece about the DOJ now planning to, to arrest thousands more. I mean, this is back in, you know, 2021. Uh, but it is it is being used as a means of political repression. But because the other side has been as successfully identified with Nazis as the left once was successfully identified with communists, right? There's been a kind of flip, an ideological flip. People don't see this for what it is. They don't see it as, as repression of democratic rights. They see it as necessary to save us all from uh, a fascist takeover. You know, this has been going on at a high boil since Veterans Day, when Trump, you know, channeled Hitler and referred to the left as vermin. Well, he also mentioned fascists. He's a little confused, but the fact is, you know, it did sound like Hitler, and this then enabled every Democrat and his brother or sister, you know. All of them, the politicians, the journalists, the nightclub, uh, not nightclub, the comedians, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, the whole comedy desk at the CIA. This enabled them all to scream and yell endlessly. It's still going on about Trump posing the same threat that Hitler posed. See, So to these liberals, there is no sin in arresting these people on no charges holding them in torturous conditions, uh, using the law to forbid, uh, you know, Trump from, to prevent Trump from running at all. These are all fascist tricks. But because we have this weird projection going on where the Democrats keep accusing the Republicans or Trump of doing what the Democrats are doing and what they plan to do, there's a kind of... Um, blindness, you know, an inability to see that, that they are the danger they keep warning against, see? And because of all this, the answer to your question, sadly, is no. Nothing's been improved because you can't ever reform anything if people are unaware that there's a problem. And since the propaganda, propaganda mantra around the 2020 election is, there is no evidence of fraud, you know, rather than actually look into whether there is, you know, all these uh, democratic true believers just parrot that that meme. They just say that, you know, it's false. There are, um, you know, extremely revealing uh, inquiries that have been going on all over the country, you know, in, in Michigan, Wisconsin, in Arizona, in Texas, uh, making very clear that countless votes were stolen uh, for Joe Biden, who never even really ran, you know, what he stayed in his basement through the whole campaign. 
And he had as his running mate the least popular primary candidate of all of them, Kamala Harris. And we were supposed to believe that it was a blowout and that um, Biden got more votes than Obama had. I mean, this is this is lunacy, but um, it's become the official truth. Uh, and it's it's really quite alarming. Well, look, uh, I want to talk to you about a couple of uh, interesting developments uh, in the 2024 cycle. One of them is the Democrat uh, Party basically throwing primaries out the window. That's an interesting one. And also uh, the specter of foreign interference is now being uh, coming back again. It's playing large in the talking points and the narrative. I'm with Mark Crispin Miller, who is uh, extensively written uh, on the issue of election integrity, stolen elections. You'll see his work on uh, any fine bookstore, including Amazon as well. We'll share those titles with you before we go. Let's take a quick break here with TNT, Today's News Talk, and more from Mark Crispin Miller when we come back. Stay right there. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. One scorching heat wave will leave me powerless to cool my insulin. When the storm rolls in, my time to find a pet-friendly evacuation center will have run out. <laughs> I'm relying on luck, but who knows if it'll be on my side. When it comes to disasters and emergencies, it's not a matter of if, but when. Take control. One, assess your needs. Two, make a plan. Three, engage your support network. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Patrick Henningsen talks on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. It's still Monday. We're in the final segment of the final hour of this live broadcast here. Uh, welcoming onto the program, of course, Mark Crispin Miller, professor at New York University. Mark, uh, also, where can people find your writing uh, and your sort of up-to-date work on these topics? Go ahead. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, uh, I'm on Substack, uh, like every other independent writer in the world, it seems. Uh I, I post something, you know, at least once a day and uh, have been following the issues we're discussing there. And I'm just in the middle of a long piece on the Trump-Hitler equation, you know, uh, which raises some of the issues we've been discussing. Uh, you know, I mean, we've been talking about the 2024 election on the uh, fond assumption that there will be one. Uh, all this hysteria over, you know, Trump as Hitler it makes it very easy for me to envision the Democrats deciding that it's too dangerous to have an election. Mm. It'll have to be put off this year, you know, which is the kind of thing they keep accusing Trump of planning to do. Uh, I can see that happening, though. Um, as you say, you know, the, the Democrats have kicked the primaries to the curb. 
in every conceivable way they have they have uh, sort of de-democratized the voting system you know um just as they have in uh you know ukraine under zelensky same thing practically legal to try to run for office uh unless you're one of the chosen well that's just a uh, robert f kennedy was polling in the Democrats, around 18%, upwards of 20%. This was, what, eight months ago? And all of a sudden, you started seeing these uh, moves by the by the Democrat committees and so forth to sort of basically, you know, delegitimize his challenge in the primaries to the incumbent to the point he, I don't know if a deal was made, Mark, behind the scenes, but he moved over to announce his independent candidacy. And I knew th that his run was kind of finished at that point. Could only be a spoiler if that. But isn't that amazing that you have a legitimate, to a very unpopular incumbent, a very unpopular Joe Biden, a major challenger, taking 20% of Democrat votes into the primaries, maybe that could have been a 25, 30% share, who knows, and then basically, boom, he's out, and the primaries are out. What is this, mail-in, or sorry, write-in campaigns for Biden in lieu of primaries in certain states? This is bizarre, Mark. What do you know about yeah. this? Uh, not that much. Um, I mean, I, I, I have noticed it. I haven't dug into it, but it, I guess it's no more, uh, it may even be less egregious than all this talk about enfranchising these people pouring across the border, you know, uh, allowing them to vote. Uh, that's just, um, you know, that's so patently corrupt, uh, you know, and alarming because these aren't just people, you know, capable of voting if they're given the right to vote. But they're also being mostly uh, military age males capable of constituting some kind of, uh, you know, military force. I mean, you know, if you look at those screaming about Trump's Nazism, you can see, I'm repeating myself, that they themselves are resorting to the kinds of tricks that they would have us think only he would play, right? Uh, but it is, yeah, uh, Kennedy... It tells us something that the bearer of that name, right, which which is sacrosanct in, in the history of the Democratic Party, should have been so demonized and then be unable to run as a candidate in his own party, right? I mean, he's running precisely because the party has so completely betrayed that legacy, you know? Uh, but... Um, it, it is it is very distressing. Uh, you know, think back to the attacks on him. Uh, they're very similar to the attacks on Trump. You'll recall when he was accused of anti-Semitism, uh, when he mentioned Anne Frank and made the perfectly rational point that under today's surveillance systems, she would have been unable to stay hidden from the Nazis as she did in the secret annex in Amsterdam, a point about, you know, the relative far greater sophistication of surveillance in a digital world. That's absolutely true. That was twisted into a trivialization of the Holocaust, you know. Uh, so, the, I mean, the playbook is very familiar. It, it, is, it is eerily similar to the Red Scare of the late 40s and 50s, except that it has, you know, it has been transitioned ideologically, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. There's been 
ideology shift, you know, in in that memo of the CIA's from 1967, where they're explaining to station chiefs, you know, how to um, prompt propaganda against the critics of the Warren report, uh, the author of the memo actually says to identify uh, doubts about the Warren report with communist propaganda, okay? Uh, well, that hasn't changed, except that it's no longer the far left that represents the bogey, it's the far right, see? And then this dovetails with woke ideology, uh, the racialization of discourse, you know, that somehow white people are Nazis, you know, by nature. Uh, you know, it is it is just like the old days, but with a weird twist, so that now the Democrats are the party of war. The Democrats are the party uh, of uh, going after Russia. Uh, you know, the, the 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 we could go on and on with the things. The Democrats, the Democrats are for censorship, right? Um, it, the Democrats worship the CIA and the FBI, you know, <laughs> because they were protecting us from Trump and Putin. Uh, the Democrats are the ones who now believe in segregation, whether it's the unvaccinated who they think, you know, should have been detained or, uh, you know, black people under the stimulus of critical race theory, integration is now, um, you know, retro, regressive, a bad thing. We need blacks only graduation ceremonies and blacks only dormitories. And this is a sign of racial enlightenment, you know, it goes on and on. We could even include anti-feminism because to the extent the Democrats uh, uh, unthinkingly champion um, trans rights, which is, I think, an invention of big pharma, you know, uh, it's perfectly okay for biological males to compete in a boxing ring with a female, you know. I mean, feminists are now completely alienated from the system because of this really sort of perverse uh, policy, you know. The Democrats of 2024 are weirdly similar to the right wing in 1953, you know, I certainly don't recognize them. No, there's definitely been a, 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 a transition, a role reversal, as you said there, Mark. The other thing, just to segue from what you said about the CIA and the FBI, that maligned foreign influence, and you can see the extent to which this was played up in the Twitter files uh, with the exposures by Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberg, and others, but um, that anything that's potentially challenging the Biden administration, so for instance, there's a line for impeachment right now over the illegal war in Yemen. And critics are saying, well, this is Iranian foreign influence uh, coming up with this impeachment talking point. Anybody supporting it is pro-Iranian. Or if it's going after Biden impeachment, as Congress is doing for Biden family corruption and graft in Ukraine via Hunter Biden and Joe and, and so forth, that's Russian influence, malign Russian influence. So no, no laws are being broken by the U.S. administration, no corruption. It's all uh, down to foreign influence in the election cycle. And this is exactly the card that was played in 2020 uh, as well and to the detriment of Donald Trump. So it seems like this is all baked in, Mark, into the system now. How can we overcome this? And just your thoughts on this uh, last couple minutes, I'll give you the floor, go ahead, Mark. Well, I mean, 
there are two things that it's extremely dangerous to do, but that are essential, that must be done if we're going to survive all this. One of them is to tell the truth, okay? I mean, that sounds like no big thing, but it's increasingly risky to do so. I mean, Julian Assange was the canary in the coal mine, and we forget about him at our peril. Uh, to tell the truth is to be accused of a kind of malicious misinformation. So we have to con continue to tell the truth, as you and I are trying to do here. And the other thing that's forbidden is to cross uh, boundary lines, you know, to transcend uh, tribal uh, identities, you know, red, blue, whatever, racial, I don't care. Divide and conquer has always been the primary strategy of empire. And the globalist empire that we're suffering with today um, has depended on this kind of division from the beginning. I, I, I say again, I think that's why Trump was selected in 2016 for maximum division and for division that could be as bitter as possible. So we have to uh, recognize that we should not be at each other's throats. We should be at their throats, right? We should understand that the reason why they don't want us uh, forging alliances is because that would be a threat to them, you see? And that's why they killed King and the Kennedys. That's why they killed Fred Hampton in 1969. The FBI killed him chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party, because he was organizing along with uh, uh, black youths and street gangs, Hispanic street gangs and Appalachian whites. He was organizing the poor. Martin Luther King was organizing a poor people's march on Washington, shifting from race to class, you see. Mm -hmm. That's what we have to be doing now, you know. We have to be joining hands. Uh, anyone who is promoting division is working for the enemy, as far as I'm concerned. So if we can manage those two extremely daunting tasks, which is talking to each other and telling the truth, it shouldn't be controversial, either one of those. If we can do those things, we can survive. Uh, but if we don't, we can't. No, I think that's a good that's a good point. And let's put principles above our partisan differences above what you said, Mark, tribalism has become this. This is what it's like in a lot of countries around the world. And it's one of the things the United States has been able to overcome in the past, but uh, has uh, fallen prey to in recent decades. So it's certainly, uh, these are disturbing trends. We need to work and double down our efforts to tell the truth, to uh, highlight people who are telling the truth. Mark, uh, very much appreciate you joining us. And again, I want to point people to Mark Crispin Miller's Substack. Uh, we just had the address there, markcrispinmiller.substack.com on the Chiron. Mark, thank you very much for joining TNT, today's news talk. Thanks. It was a pleasure, Patrick, as ever. Our pleasure. Our pleasure, Mark. Thank you. And big thank you to Basil Valentine, our roving correspondent in this first hour, and Sam Husseini from Washington, D.C., independent journalist there. We've covered some great ground, folks, and tomorrow is going to be equally as compelling. You want to tune in to our election integrity segment tomorrow. We'll talk about Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, what he's doing in this election cycle, and we'll also cryptocurrencies and the global markets with Blake Lovewell, all that and more. Tune in, same time, same place. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We're signing out. Stay with 
with TNT. Today's news talk after the top of the hour news headlines for Mark Morano and more coming up. Take care, you guys.